0: There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service Podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service Podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Titans of Food Service Podcast. This is episode number 15. Kind of crazy to think that we're 15 episodes through already, and today I invite Barbara Powell. She's the Vice President of Food Service Sales for Mount Franklin Foods. I'm excited for our conversation together, especially here, being that it's March and Women's History Month, to hear more about the accomplishments and contributions of women in the food service industry. So thanks for listening along. Let's go ahead and welcome Barbara. welcome barbara to the titans of food service podcast i'm so excited to have you on here today you have built an incredible career in the food service industry and i'm honored that you, you would join me here on the podcast
1: thanks nick appreciate it
0: you're welcome of course so why don't we start off with how did you get into the food service industry
1: by accident um i had graduated <laughs> from college and I went to work for a local company by the name of Bazar, company. And I was in customer service. And I thought it would be a temporary job uh, while I looked for a quote-unquote a real career. And after about four months, a gentleman walked up and said, how would you like to be in food service? You're a bit overqualified for what you're doing. And my question was, what is food service? I understood the retail piece of our business, but I did not understand food service. So I started in inside sales and worked on from there. And I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. And one, what college did you go to and what did you get your degree in?
1: Um, I went to school in New Mexico um, at UNM. And then I ended up getting a degree in business.
0: And when you're going through school, did you... I know you mentioned that you got into food service by accident. Did you want to go into a different industry? Or what was your thoughts on what you're what you wanted your career path to be?
1: I knew I would be in sales. I had been in sales for the majority of my working career in high school and in college. So I assumed it would be a sales position, but I didn't have a particular channel in mind. I I wasn't set on doing anything. I just assumed I would end up at sales at one point.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I know when I was going through college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or, or what I wanted to be. And I, I, I thought at the time I was like, I want to be a financial advisor, and so I started interviewing with some different oh. financial advising companies in Orange County and meeting those people, and 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 I kind of got to the realization I was like, I've never had a mortgage, you know, <laughs> how am I going to help other people with their finances with not having this this knowledge? And at the time, my dad uh, was planning on starting a food broker company and six days after I graduated from school he's like why don't we start it together and so we did and so kind of like you I got into food service um, I guess intentional on his part but accident on mine and it's been a I think it's one of those industries where you don't it finds you and once you get in it's really hard to get out
1: I think that's um, true I mean in co- in college I had sold jewelry I worked for sales and I never pictured myself as selling plumbing tools or anything that wasn't important to me. And I've always enjoyed food. My mom was a great cook and I enjoyed cooking. So when the opportunity presented itself to me, candy and nuts was fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. So you started in inside sales at Azar Nut Company. And where did you go from there? What was kind of step number two?
1: From inside sales, I went to a small region Um, My region kept getting bigger. There really were only two of us at the time. And from regional sales manager, I went to national sales manager, and then eventually to the position I hold now, which is VP of food service.
0: You know, it's not too often, especially for millennials like myself, you know, where you see people, they stick around in one company for so long. And how has that been, kind of building your whole career in one company?
1: Um, it would probably have been boring if the company had not changed as rapidly as it did. I mean, I, I'm i in the same building, but it's not the same company. It was quite small. Food service was a small piece of it when I started. Um, and it has grown. It has changed. We've added new people. We've added new products. We've added new technology. So it, it evolved. I don't think in the Thirty-five years that I've been here, that I can see, it was more it was the same company for more than probably three or four years at a time. And that's why yeah, I that stayed, gets... is because Rick stayed interesting.
0: Yeah, it's constantly evolving. And in your career, have you has there been any, anybody that has helped you along the way?
1: Well, so many people have helped me along the way. I had a mentor here by uh, by the name of Gary Stewart who retired um i've had ceos mentor i've had i had brokers uh, that helped mentor me and customers i think you have to be really willing to be open to all all kinds of information i've yeah, had there other people other regional managers and national sales managers that were in Selling other product, but they all help me. I think I think this is a, definitely an industry where people go out of their way to help each other.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And in your current role, what does your job entail on a monthly basis?
1: Um, well, from a high level, it's it's definitely in tr- I'm in charge of all of the sales for food service for the company. Um, I could say I'm chief cook and bottle washer, and that might may <laughs> take that out. But. Yeah. So it's it, uh, basically in charge of all the, the customers at a high level and the profitability, the relationship. But mm-hmm. frankly, I have an extraordinary sales team. Yeah. Some of whom you've met. Yes. And really, my job is to support them and to make their jobs and lives easier by supporting yeah. their
0: customers. Yeah, that makes sense. When you look at your food service sales across the country, are there metrics or what do you look at to determine uh, if you're going in the right direction?
1: Well, we certainly have metrics that we we buy. We get we buy a lot of the, the usual information. We do invest in analytics to see where we are to benchmark ourselves. Uh, that's our primary role.
0: Sure, sure. And since you started in food service, has there been any big, like a failure of yours or a big obstacle that you've had to overcome that you've learned from and, and has shaped who you are today?
1: Well, there have there have been a few. The, okay. With the most recent being COVID. Um, yeah. That shocked and really shook our world. Right. It made us redefine who we were as companies, as individuals. Mm -hmm. And we're still learning and changing from that.
0: What were some of the lessons you think that COVID taught you and your company specifically?
1: Gosh, I think really that you can't take anything for granted. Yeah. You can't take the fact that we are fortunate enough to be in this industry. You know, we we were always rather flipped that, well, you know, there's always going to be food. We'll always have jobs. Right. And that changed, you know, in a heartbeat. Yeah. And I think it made us value our relationships more. We had to make some hard decisions. And some of those decisions we're still recovering from, frankly. You know, we've had, we've really had to, we had, we had a lot of knowledge that was lost because people don't come back and it's hard to replace.
0: Right. Yeah, that is difficult.
1: So I mean, I think that was one thing we really we really learned.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, speaking from my experience going through COVID and being in the food service industry on the broker side, I remember watching our sales, especially in March and April of twenty twenty, go all the way down to, you know, very close to zero for a short amount of time and but then just kind of stay low throughout the rest of that year. And I've kind of come to the realization recently that we started our company in 2015, but it was really in 2019, 2020, where I felt like I was finally becoming uh, more of an entrepreneur. I felt like I had started to go through some of these, maybe a setback like with COVID and really learn about myself and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, business. I had never held a real full-time job prior to starting the company with my dad. And so a lot of it was just, you know, what is it? Trial by fire, whatever they call it. And it took yeah. a little while to, to learn the industry, but I, I was trying to learn the industry first. And then as I got into 2019, 2020, it got so difficult. And I really, it really forced me to, one, take a step back and learn and apply that to my day-to-day life. Agreed. If you can go back in time in your career, is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: I don't tend to look like that or to look backwards. Um, I look forwards. I don't dwell on what could have been, what might have been. Um, You just can't do that. I
0: don't. Yeah, that's smart. Always looking forward. Now, speaking of looking forward, if you were to look Far off into the future, into the distance, and you wanted to be remembered for something in food service, what would that be?
1: Um, I would like to be remembered for being honest, for being very direct, uh, for treating people fairly, Mm -hmm. and for being, for uttering my
0: word. And why are those things important to you?
1: Because integrity is all you have at the end of the day.
0: That's a good point coming out of college and jumping straight into food service, you know, you you've walked that mile. What would you give to a smart, driven college student who was just about to enter the real world or even specifically into food service? What advice would you give to those people? Um,
1: I would tell them that that's funny you ask because I just finished speaking to a bunch of high school children, kids yeah. who asked me the same basic question and it's it's definitely be true to yourself work right. as hard as you possibly can, but still keep a balance. don't hold anything back and right. primarily believe in yourself because you can overcome so many obstacles. you just have to have a little bit of faith.
0: Yeah, definitely. Working with some of the people in your company, I think you have incredible people. They are driven, they are they embody a lot of what you were talking about in, in especially around the word integrity. So how do you find these people? I think it's hard to find great talent, and I think that is something that you've been able to do. How do, you, how do you find them, for one, and then how do you be able to retain them and keep them motivated on the team?
1: Well, thank you for saying that, because I, I do feel like we have an incredible team. Yes. Um, uh, most of them have come by word of mouth, mm. by industry, people knowing people in the industry. Some of them have come from referrals from our own salespeople, people that they, they had met along the way. Um, I'm very fortunate that the majority of them, they've, they've stayed. I mean, they, it's a pretty long-term group. We hired two this last year, um, but that was the first time we would really had to hire anyone for years. Right. So keeping them, I mean, you, you, above all... You have to be honest. It's not been an easy road. You know, everyone hoped, or at least we hoped, that after 2020, it would just all flip a switch and we'd be back to 2019, and that has not happened. Right. We've had a lot of restart pains. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you're honest with people Mm -hmm. and you're there when they need you, I think that's all you can really do. And let, let them do what they do you know i i don't i try very hard not to micromanage that they don't need it so you you let them flourish and be themselves and they'll get the job done as long as they know what it is you have to communicate very thoroughly what yeah. the goals are
0: yeah no doubt i think i found you know when you bring in an a player or a players onto your team as long as they have the foundation you know the systems and process be successful and then allow them to go out and do their job it it goes a long way and it's also a great way to retain people as well. Cause I think as, as people we all want to be working towards building something or, or, or feeling like like our work matters to the overall general picture. And I think, again, I think you've been able to do a great job of that. And I think it's very admirable. Your people do not micromanage. They are very uplifting and they are supportive and it's, it's hard to build a culture like that. So kudos to you.
1: Well, I didn't do it. I didn't do it alone. I have been fortunate. I mean, one of the other reasons I stayed is I've always been able to have a supportive CEO who've had several. Um, yeah. But they were always supportive and mm-hmm. uh, more senior VP. I've pretty much been allowed to manage it and not be micromanaged themselves. My, right. Myself, being not micromanaged. So that has been good. But I am... One of the the things I am very thankful for every day is the group of people that I work with. They they inspire me. They keep me going. I am just a steward here, and yeah. I'm hoping that I will leave something strong and a solid foundation for the next generation.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I I, I get that. You know, I feel that w- with my dad and I, we own our company fifty fifty, and I feel like he has that mentality, especially for myself to you know, give me the leeway and uh, I am his success, a succession plan. It's a hard word to say. I am he his wants, succession plan. Him. And I think it, it gives him a lot of intrinsic value. It gives him a lot of motivation to be better and to make our company better. And, and as a result too, we've built a very close relationship. We've always had a close relationship, but it's it's strengthened over the years, no doubt. And it creates a greater purpose when you're helping others through, you know, uh, through allowing them to have successes, have failures, and, you know, really grow in this industry. You mentioned that COVID was a big, definitely a big obstacle to overcome. How does your, is there any new beliefs or behaviors or habits that you have today that have come from the learnings of COVID or even from other experiences?
1: I don't know if this is COVID in particular, but I I do work very hard at putting first things first and keeping Mm. things in perspective. Um, I have always had a tendency to delve in and be somewhat of a workaholic. And I think after COVID, I really tried to stop, put my phone away, disengage, to something that's not driven either by the company or by my phone. Does that make sense?
0: One thousand percent. I very much resonate with that. I, I would self, uh, I would describe myself too as a workaholic, and it's, I think for me a lot of times I whether I'm doing something or not, I'm thinking about it. I've had vacations that I go on with my wife, and I have my emails on, or I'm taking phone calls, or Text messages and things like that. It's it's hard to unplug. How do you? How are you able to do that? You know, you mentioned. I, I guess the first step is realizing that you know there needs to be points where I need to not work or not work as much. But what are some of the things that you do to help you be able to take a step back from work?
1: Uh, I physically go outside and without a phone. I mean, I'll walk, I'll go to the gym, I'll do something. <laughs> I love the outdoors, so I spend a lot of time outdoors when, when I can. I like that. I read. I try to talk to people without my phone there, so I'm engaged in what people are sharing with me. Mm-hmm. I know the word is overused, but you really need to be present.
0: Yes, that is that is very important. And I think a lot of times when I'm too plugged into work, I come home and I'm not present And maybe sometimes at home where I should be, because my mind is just going a million miles an hour of thinking of this or thinking of that. And so I've tried Mm. to make it a habit that have a a a stop time at the end of the day, knowing that my wife Carly might, you know, might she might she's a marriage and family therapist, and so she will see clients until six, seven, sometimes eight o'clock at night because they're coming out of school or they're getting off work, and a lot of times I view it as, well, I'm just going to work until seven, I'm just going to work until eight when she gets back. But now I try to say, What about around 530 to six, I'll stop. And that way I can relax, then she comes home, and then we can enjoy our company together. And I've and I've been doing this the last month, and I feel like it's really helped. But I, I also struggle a little bit trying to fill that void of now I don't, I'm not doing work. So what am I going to do, especially here in the in the winter <laughs> when it's dark outside, and it's cold, like, Huh. And when it gets warmer in the summer, I can go surfing. I can go walk around. You know, it's it's different, but <laughs> it's a it's a work in progress for sure.
1: I do spend a lot of off time at the gym, particularly particularly in the winter. Um, yes, and I do some meditation. But you know, one of the things that really made me think about it is I have my children are grown, and both okay. of my sons are workaholics. They, and there are times I'm like, guys, calm down. You don't have to work so hard. And they look at me like, really? Who did you right. think we learned this from? And that that did make <laughs> me take a bit of a step back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because no doubt. I was telling them things I should be telling myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I I think my, you know, workaholicness. Definitely comes stems from, uh, sorry, dad. I mean, to throw you under the bus, but I'm gonna throw him under the bus. (laughs) And because growing up, he was in the food, he was a food broker himself when I was growing up, and he would work a lot. I, I remember he would be my little league coach, and you know, the practice might start at. Three o'clock, let's say after school, and go till five. We'd come home, have dinner, and then he'd work the rest of the night. And it was every day, or he'd take calls during dinner. And I think it's just it's something that I learned, and so now I I I carry that same mentality and and work ethic. And sometimes it's like you're saying, you know, you have to keep it in check, or it, it could just run away on you.
1: And I mean, it's good. I'm very proud of the fact that they both have yeah. strong work. They take their jobs, their respective jobs very seriously. That it makes me proud, but at the same time, you know, they're in their late 20s. Do you want them burning out too quickly? No, of course not.
0: Right. I guess it is probably better than the alternative, you know, not wanting to do anything it at is. all.
1: <laughs> Relate kicking them,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Being that here in March, it's Uh, Women's History Month. I have been proud to have yourself and a a few other women come onto the podcast. And, you know, because I really want to highlight the accomplishments and the contributions of women in the food service industry. And I, you know, being a male in in this industry, which I would say probably, uh, you know, a little bit more of a male dominated industry, I'm interested to hear what has your experience been like uh, as a female in food service? Well,
1: in the beginning, it was a little awkward because I was one of the very few. You know, I started over 30 years ago and I could still walk into a conference and pick out the women and probably count them on one head. Right. I realized that people noticed what I did, what I said, how I said it. I did not blend in. So I had to make sure that Everything I did say and do, I had a real purpose. Um, I do feel like at times I had to work a little bit harder, maybe, just to prove that that I could, that I could do this. Job. Yeah. There were women in the industry already before me, and you talk about mentors. I learned from from them, people like Dial Hogan and Dallas Harrison and she was still in the industry. I mean, we were some of the front runners and it wasn't always easy.
0: Yeah, definitely. What were some of the, well, some of the advice that these women had given to you?
1: Um, Don't give up. Don't let anyone define who you are or what you could be. Persistence was definitely something. And goal setting were things that they, that they told me. And they were all very encouraging. I mean, the, I've been very fortunate to be in the community of not just food service professionals, but food service professional women.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you were growing up, did being in a leadership position, is that something you dreamed of or is that something that you felt you wanted to be in the future?
1: Um, I always felt that I was capable of it. Um, I didn't necessarily dream of it, but in a lot of different roles, I would take a leadership role. My mother was a very strong person. Mm-hmm. And she taught me to stand up for myself and to speak speak my own truth. And so I think those qualities sort of lent led me to being in leadership roles. But I, I don't think I ever really looked
0: for it. Being a female in food service, has there been any significant challenges or barriers, like any specific moments that you've had to overcome?
1: Um, I've never. I don't. I can't think of one specifically. I think most people have been open and willing to work with you. There, there were always the occasional comment or, you know, basic treatment is why are Why are you here? That doesn't happen any longer. I mean, it's yeah. It's nice just to see so many more women in the business, and I tried to be a role model and a mentor to them.
0: You know, you mentioned that it, it's, it has changed. And going into the future, what are is there change that you'd still like to be, uh, that you'd still like to see be done in our industry?
1: I would definitely still like to see more diversity. I yeah. don't think it is a diverse enough industry at all. And the yeah. m- more different perspectives, walks of life, backgrounds that you get involved, you just have a bigger pool of resources, of yeah. people, the yeah. ideas. I it it hurts us when we're too homogenous. And even though we've yeah. made strides, I think we have a long way to go.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. Looking at my company, I I realize you know the majority of our staff was male for a while, and where we had a few meet a few females, but. We started to look at, it, especially over the last couple of years, of how do we have more women join our team, and not just join our team, become leadership in our company as well. And it was, yeah, right. you know, asking the tough questions because I think, especially being a male, I view the world one way or or through a certain lens. Right. And you're right, I especially being here in in Southern California, it's such a it, it is a very diverse population. You know, Los Angeles, there's over 10 million people, I believe. And they it comes from all different walks of life. Yet our team, if they don't embody the diversity that is within that area, then, you know, you are limiting your your growth and and your potential of what your company can be. So by having more females come into our company, allowing them to get leadership roles, and, you know, we we found that they are I mean, we've had we have some just dynamite females on our team. They have been just been incredible for us. And you know, my only regret is that we didn't do this a lot sooner.
1: That, that's good to hear. We were we're fortunate too. There's a good representation of women in our senior management. Uh, besides myself, our VP of Marketing, our VP of HR, and our CFO are all women. And I think it does lend a little wow. bit of a different view. Yes, success. yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. How do you, this might just, uh, I, I, you may not have an answer to this, but how do you think we could get more women into the industry?
1: Um, I i think we need to advertise more, to to yeah. be more visible in colleges and universities and all technical schools. People need to understand yeah. that it's not a, secondary career. It's not something that, oh, by the way, I just happened. I mean, you and I are a little different. We did fall into it. But I, I think yeah. now with most people being more purposeful, I think mm-hmm. we need to let them know that it's fun and viable and you can grow.
0: I love that. I love that. And on, on my side or on the male side, what is what is the change that you want to see in the industry in, in the future?
1: both in terms of being i'd like us to become more open minded okay i would like to return to a little bit more one on one versus the whole email society i think there's still a lot to be said by having yeah. a direct conversation face to face you know my fear i think technology has been wonderful but my fear is that we rely on it too much yeah, and we rely on an email versus a conversation, and I, I think that's right. true for both work and in per, your personal life. Yeah, it's a lot easier to text someone "Happy Birthday" or whatever than it is to just pick up the phone and say it to themselves, say it to them straight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I can resonate with that. In my first few months working with my dad, I would send out emails trying to get people's attention, trying to set up appointments. And it, it wasn't really working. And he goes, you need to stop doing that. And he goes, if you want to learn in this industry, you got to pick up the phone and call somebody or go walk in the back door and go say hello to somebody. And so I remember I would, I started to go uh, on Pacific Coast Highway here in Orange County and go just restaurant to restaurant or cafe to cafe and kind of build up that muscle because it was he, always, he, he told me, he goes, school was great for you, but I feel like it didn't teach you how to talk to adults. You got to be comfortable talking to adults. And the way you do that is you get out from behind the computer and go do things that are one-on-one or have live conversations.
1: I think he's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for others yeah, that... Yeah, he he he's a he's a funny one and uh, he has a lot of fun little sayings and I should I should create a little book of the sayings that he's had over the years but it it's kind of these little nuggets that I that that I carry and I share with others especially as they get into not just food service but whatever industry they might be getting into. For others that one day want to be in your position the vice president of food service sales for a manufacturer what advice would you give to them?
1: Well, I always tell them to finish a degree, get get your fundamentals done, to be inquisitive, to not be afraid to try something new, to not be afraid to do more than you're asked for, than you're asked of, and to just simply don't be afraid. Fear fear controls so much of who we are and how we are as individuals individuals and you can't be afraid to be your best self.
0: Yeah. I heard a quote one time that everything you ever wanted in your life is just on the other side of fear.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: If you had the attention of the whole food service industry for five minutes, what would you say?
1: I Five minutes. Let's keep on doing what we're doing. We can't give up. We cannot like stop that. fighting. It's long like fight.
0: Well, Barbara, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast and talk about your story. I think there's going to be a lot of people that resonate with this episode and with you. So thank you so much for coming on and being open. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, no, of course. And Actually, I would like to share one more story with you. So that okay? I would
0: love to hear one more story, yes.
1: So my, my grandfather had a little bodega had a little store back in... Okay. The 20s or 30s, and he was one of. Uh, to me, he was a food service innovator, because mm-hmm. he would, on I think it was wash day, and when he knew that the ladies were not really able to make a lot of food, he would make tortillas and frijoles. That he would make it ahead of time, and then he would sell it to them. They'd like sneak in at three o'clock <laughs> and buy this food. Sam, so go back and put it put it out there, and he was doing it just to help them out because they didn't have enough time. But when my mother and my aunt told me the story, I'm like, "Oh my God, he was in food service, food away from home before it even happened." And I yeah. thought you'd get it, <laughs> you would get that.
0: I love that. Yeah. It's awesome. That is he, he is a, he's an innovator for sure, and he's well ahead of his time. He
1: was. He he was that very he cool. was a good seventy years ahead of his time. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> very smart. You know, there's there's some very smart people out there, and ingenuity is important. It drives us forward, and your grandfather definitely seemed to be on the cutting edge.
1: He well, you know, they again. I think in in terms of diversity, he was an immigrant. And he came over, yeah. and he did whatever he could in order. To make a living for his family, he had a little store, but he also knew what women had to go through, particularly back then in the day. And That's right. more thing I'll share: you don't have to put this in there. But when when I never knew him, but I heard a lot of stories, and I remember going yeah. to a, a funeral of some people, my mother, knew. and several people came up and said, "Are you Don La Are you Don Chun's daughter?" And he, she said, "Yes." She goes. He kept us from starving during the depression. He would he would keep their name on a ledger and when they could pay him or bring a chicken or whatever, that's what he would take in payment. And more than one said, We didn't our family didn't starve because of him. And that yeah that made a real impact
0: on me. It, no kidding anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about integrity and leaving a, a legacy that of integrity. And I think it stems back from something. And I'm sure he had some sort of, some influence on that. There's no doubt.
1: so well, he did. And I mean, we live on the border and my mother growing up, we'd have people coming from Mexico and they were Indians a lot. There was, they were done with mm-hmm. Indians. And my mother, always had a tortilla, a burrito, a coat, something. She never turned anyone away. I think she learned that from her father and they passed it mm-hmm. on to us.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I, I know uh, my grandfather also being an immigrant from Mexico and actually be coming here and being an orphan. And, you know, he he had a lot of trials and tribulations that he had to go through, a lot of tough moments in his life. But he ended up having three boys and, you know, really instilled a lot of character and integrity in them and that work ethic. That's and, you know, because it's not it's not easy, especially coming from a you know, a different country and coming here, trying to assimilate with the culture. And it's just different. It's difficult. And there's a lot of obstacles to overcome.
1: There is. And I think you and I are better people for it, for the fact that they did do that, that they did come over. I don't try to get political. That's why I didn't stand in there. But, you know, we, not only are we second generation, I mean, our parents were, our family was immigrants. They came and they did the best they could and they worked hard.
0: That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's what I love about this country is it is the land, you know, I know it's the cliche, it's the land of opportunity, but there is opportunity. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that my grandfather went through those trials and tribulations because without him, I, he wouldn't have given me the platform or the ability or the opportunity to be where I'm at today. So I'm very grateful for, for him.
1: No, you should be. I, I mean, I am too. I live on the border and a yeah. lot of times I'll be driving. It's there but for the grace of God.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: No, I didn't. Mean to you, I just, I, you told me about your dad and how he got here, and I thought that that was a story that you would find interesting. And I just thought of it when you asked me these questions. I, I yeah. thought of you know my grandfather. i like, oh my gosh, I wonder if some somehow that got into me somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. I like i said i I really enjoyed our conversation and and i learned so much about you and i think i learned a little bit about myself too in this conversation which i always appreciate in doing these podcast episodes you know i wanted to help others in the food service industry uh, become and achieve whatever they want. and I hope that every episode they get people get a nugget or two from the podcast, but I didn't realize the value that it would bring to myself and and how much I've learned about myself and and how others been able to achieve their success and taking pieces of that and applying that to my own life. So I, I appreciate you being open and vulnerable and and talking with me today.
1: No, thank you.